Hi, I'm Shreya Bakliwal and this is Women Who Build Podcast. I have been so excited to launch today's episode for the past one month. The reason is it is core to why I started Women Who Build, which is to encourage women founders and investors to take the leap of faith and know that there will always be someone rooting for you. So the topic for today is women as an opportunity. The podcast also has some of my favorite people in the startup space. Ankur Goyal. Ankur is the founder and CEO of And Me, which is India's first women's health brand. Ankur hired me to And Me and has been a key supporter of my career growth ever since. I derive a lot of energy from him and I'm so excited to have him here. Jesse Draper. Jesse is the founding partner of Halogen Ventures which backs early stage consumer tech companies with at least one woman founder in the US and was also the host and creator of Emmy nominated show called The Valley Girls Show where she interviewed the likes of Sheryl Sandberg, Mark Cuban, Jessica Alba to name a few. Jesse may not actually know this but a lot of what I'm doing at Women Who Build is an inspiration from The Valley Girls Show. Manish Khetrapal He is the founding partner of Waterbridge Ventures here in India which backs early stage consumer and enterprise tech companies. Some of his notable investments include Doubtnut and Magic Pin. I am so happy that Manish is so supportive of women in the startup ecosystem. Hena Mehta, who's the founder and CEO of Basis, which is a personal finance app for women and who also leads the Lean In chapter in Bangalore. I met Hena to partner for And Me and I found her so helpful and very candid about all her points of view on what it means to be a woman founder. I so admire her for that. Now without further delay, I will directly jump on to the podcast. Hey everyone, thank you for taking the time out today. I know it is very late for all of you joining in from India. It's 10:30 p.m. and Jesse for you it's 9 a.m. in LA. But the very fact that you all have joined in clearly shows your passion towards women in the startup ecosystem. So let's start with Manish. Manish, I know you've been very active and vocal about mentoring women in the startup ecosystem. So I would love to have you address the elephant in the room, which is from your experience, what do you think is the current state of women founders and investors in the startup ecosystem and what role does one-on-one mentoring play in solving for that? Absolutely sure. First of all, thank you for uh, giving me an opportunity to speak on this subject that's uh, quite close to my heart. Um so firstly I I I'd like to start with by saying that this is a universal problem, right? Um uh, at the same time, I want to share some very high level stats to highlight the gravity of this issue which is really uh, much much higher uh, in India. Uh US has a lot of systematic data around this. Uh, the last one I remember reading Uh, 20% of startups uh, have at least one female founder i think that was a 2019 statistic that number in india is 2% uh, and nobody is tracking it i mean we try to track it uh, uh, with some internal data and analysis uh, the us vc industry has 7% of partners as women that number in india is somewhere between 1 and 2% so it also doesn't help that india is actually the only uh, large growing economy where labor force participation in from women uh, is below 20% and not only is it a low like a 19% number it's actually dropped in the last decade so uh, there are statistics like four out of five women in india just don't work 
So the issue is that there's representation of women across the board. Uh, there's a scarcity issue, whether it's company boards, whether it's women in tech, whether it's women in higher education, and it all sort of translates into uh, founders and uh, women VCs. I mean, women VCs is just a very fine uh, uh, part of that funnel uh, where, as it is, representation has been difficult even in mature markets like US. Uh, but the issue is of representation across the board. Now, speaking to your question, um, I actually want to start by saying, instead of looking at women as, a, as an opportunity, uh, I think it's important to understand how women actually bring more diversity of thought, that they bring enhanced points of view in, in any situation, in any decision making. And therefore, it's important to understand that they, you know, by having more women on the table, there is a case for a higher return on investment. Whether you're talking of a startup company or an investment committee decision uh, table in a VC firm, and so have you. Uh, so, you know, uh, I, I'd first like to be part of that process of raising awareness. Uh, about understanding uh, this particular issue or problem with that lens. Uh, second, as I said, there is a scarcity issue uh, across the board, right? In tech and in startups and in, in board of directors, in those rooms, et cetera. It's, it's almost like, like a massive dead car battery that needs lots and lots of sparks. And uh, I think the one analog I, uh, at least I, I follow the US market, it, uh, it was maybe in 2017, I think, was a watershed event, right? When Susan Fowler had that big blog post about sexual harassment and also more about equity for women. And then a lot of things snowballed from there. Uh, I think Eileen Lee, which I'm guessing Jesse would know her quite well, uh, she wrote this secretive email to a lot of founders, uh, to a lot of VC, uh, women VC founders. And that led to maybe the early version of what we call all race. We haven't had that kind of a watershed uh, moment here. Uh, and I think it's important to um, also address the issue by saying that there's just not enough role models. Uh, and therefore, uh, it, so that it doesn't remain as a chicken and egg problem, men have to step up. And one of the models that works for me is that, you know, one needs to come out and celebrate and advocate and, you know, really provide a lot more visibility to accomplishments by women founders, women entrepreneurs, uh, women VCs, and maybe celebrating it, you know, with a lot more fanfare that uh, outstanding performance. Um, the other bit uh, I'll say is, uh, you know, at a structural level, we need to get a lot more of all rays or zebras unite and that kind of activity going. In India, we really, uh, there's the, some efforts, some green shoots happening in different pockets, but it's really not become a, sustainable, structured sort of movement. And the last um, bit I'll say as part of this opening comment is that um, I think the government and the regulation needs to also evolve quite a bit to help this because this all starts at the top of the funnel, as I said, right? I mean, uh, it's about girl education. And I, when I look at the new education policy, which uh, as you, some of you know, it's, it's been a big deal for India's education sector. It really doesn't address even like basic issue like gender equity and access uh, of education to, to, to more girls and to more women. And, and the issue has to be also fixed uh, from that angle. I'll stop here. Uh, maybe I'll just say one more thought uh, because this comes up um, as 
um, I, I am vocal about this issue. Um, uh, you know, in my firm, uh, we seem to be at the other end of the spectrum in terms of women representation as investment, as partners and as investment professionals. But, but you know, I also don't believe in this becoming an issue of giving SOPs or freebies. Uh, I think that kind of positioning doesn't help. Uh, if you start positioning it as uh, giving special incentives for women or quotas for women, I think uh, it's just all about mentoring and promoting and giving uh, women a fair chance. Uh, and one of my female uh, partners in the firm calls this democratized diversity as opposed to uh, taking shortcuts. Wow, that's an interesting uh, point of view on uh, the situation of women in the startup ecosystem. So thank you, Manish, for that. And I couldn't agree more on uh, the role of uh, role models for women in the startup ecosystem, because I clearly believe that, uh, you know, women actually find a lot of inspiration from uh, other women who are either building companies or leading companies. Um, etc. So I do feel that, uh, you know, role model um, is, uh, or to have a role model is a very powerful tool, which is also essentially why I started Women Who Build, uh, because it is very important for women to see what exists or what it takes to be on the other side. Jesse, now I would like you to comment on what it looks like in the US and what have you been doing in your capacity? Um, yeah, I mean, Manish, that was so helpful. And I thought I agree with so many of your points. Um, you know, it's fascinating to me to hear that you feel like in India, you need to have that moment um, of the, you know, where sexual harassment comes to light or the Me Too mo- movement. Um, um, but I think maybe you guys can get ahead of it. Um, in the United States, I do feel it's it's still very behind, you know, the statistics are pretty similar to India, um, in terms of female founders, et cetera, and just money going towards women in general. The thing that's exciting is there's no lack of opportunity. I think for a long time, you know, I would get, I would be pitching my fund and fundraising for my fund. And, um, you know, I'd have a lot of people say things like, oh, this is too small a market. There's not enough women starting companies. Um, And I'd say, okay, cool. Well, I mean, just in 2019, I saw nearly 5,000 deals. And what I've realized now is that um, most of the larger VC funds aren't even seeing that many uh, at the early stages. And I know that's because we have a deal flow. I call it like the Batwoman signal (laughs) Um, because we're saying, hey, we're looking for women. And everything you said, Manish, is so true. Like it, it, um, we, what we've found with all the founders we've spoken to is it brings diversity in so many different ways, just by going off of what we call, you know, the traditional Silicon Valley, Sand Hill Road path, where the majority of the larger VC funds in the United States are. Um, we went off of that uh, traditional, nothing against Stanford and Harvard, they're incredible schools, but we went off of that traditional path. And sure, we have some uh, great Stanford grads in our portfolio as well. Um, but because we said, hey, we're looking for women in consumer tech, women came and we have a much more, you know, we're very focused now on how diverse our ages are, our races are, and, you know, we obviously have diversity of gender on lockdown. Um, and 
that's been really, really exciting to us to see such diverse deal flow. And I think that's the problem with um, uh, in Silicon Valley, where I literally grew up and love, but I think something needs to change. And in order to do that, you actually have to like go to new places and see new opportunities and find new accelerators. Um, so those are some of the things working for us deal flow wise. It's an enormous opportunity. Um, and they're starting incredible, incredible companies. Um, I also think it's, it's great to be, you know, the only female in a room and you can take advantage of that. But to Manisha's point as well, it's so important that men champion women too. Um, and what I've also found is because men control the majority of the capital uh, in the United States and beyond, because traditionally men pass down pocketbooks to men from generation to generation, it's really important that we encourage women to put their money to work as well um, to kind of like create less of a gap in terms of like wealth dynamics. Um, and unfortunately in the United States and, um, and elsewhere, women have been taught to give away their money, uh, which it's good. People should give money, especially now during this crazy time. But I think not before you learn to grow your money, not before you learn to invest your money. And so I think we need actually women to step up and invest their money in women uh, much more so. Um, you know, we as a fund, while I'd love to say we have like, you know, 90% female investors, we don't. We have the majority of our investors are men because they're comfortable investing in venture capital um, and they understand it. And I find that I meet with a lot of these women who uh, are high net worth women and, you know, they might be a philanthropist, uh, in which case they, again, give away their money. Um, and so, you know, they'll brag to me about how they're writing a $3 million check to charity. And I'll say, well, what's the trouble getting across the bridge here? And they'll say, oh, well, um, I just don't understand it enough. I think like maybe my husband should take a look. And I'm like, by all means, happy to talk to your husband. But like you should, you know, the, the only way to learn is if you take this risk. And so we need to really encourage women to take more risk with their capital. That said, while women are more risk averse and there's great data around that, that actually makes us incredible investors. We take so much more risk into account and so many more data points into account when making an investment. Um, and as long as you don't let that slow you down, you can be an incredible, incredible female investor. Um, you know, I think women need a little more of that, like, just jump in moment in general. Um, men are really good at saying, hey, I'm going to make a bet and I feel good about this. And women, it's like, you know, we need to like look at our hundred item diligence checklist and make sure every single, you know, I is dotted and T is crossed. And, and I think we need a little bit of each other. So the best teams have both genders. <laughs> um, but that's a little about um, kind of what, what we're seeing. Yeah. And so um, since you mentioned that women are a bit hesitant when it comes to taking risk and really, um, you know, maybe investing in the venture space, um, then what do you think are some initiatives that can really work out um, in terms of um, helping them uh, do it? And uh, are husbands or do husbands have a role to play? 
Yes. I mean, women should be involved in every single financial decision. If, if they are married, you know, they should be in, in every single financial meeting with their significant other. Um, you know, they should be there, even if they feel like they don't understand everything, the more they're there, the more they'll understand. And, um, the more they'll realize, oh, I want to put my money here. You know, um, if you are married, that money is half yours. Um, my husband and I have an agreement that anytime we're buying a stock, we have to share it with each other um, or selling stock or, uh, you know, making any large financial decision, obviously. But I think women need to be more involved in that. Um, and, uh, and men are getting a lot better at teaching their daughters about money early. I think that's important too. Um, so I think there's a few just behavioral changes there where um, it's also, you know, in the United States, and I'm less familiar with um, just sort of etiquette in, in um, India, but it's very taboo to talk about money with women. Um, and I think, you know, I even have dinners with like friends before COVID. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I would sit down with friends and say things like, hey, you're all invested in the stock market, right? And it's like I sucked the energy out of the room. Um, and that's, you know, they all just get so uncomfortable because they're unfamiliar with talking about money or investing money. And the only way, again, you learn is if you talk about it. So I think we need to change those dynamics as well. Absolutely. Now, coming back to Manish, Manish, both you and Jesse mentioned how bringing in women helps in terms of diverse points of view. Now, I want to hear from you of any example of a woman founder or a woman partner or a woman colleague who has helped in creating a deep impact due to her diverse point of view. Of course, Jesse will have like a wealth of data on this. She's dealing with this uh, bread and butter uh, use cases every day and Ankur will bring a different perspective because he has uh, his core TG is, is women. But, you know, I just had a, a quick thought that um, Jess, something Jesse said really uh, rings a very, very big bell with me. Uh, we've been fortunate. Uh, some of our earliest family office LPs are actually women-led uh, and women-driven. Uh, happened by accident or some friends of mine joke that I'm popular with women. I don't know what, what really happened, but uh, <laughs> we actually, like off the bat, Right off the bat, the two of our largest commitments in Fund One, and Fund Ones are always hard, uh, actually came from uh, one family office in Singapore and one in Hong Kong. And that really had a, a very interesting positive echo effect. And I can tell you, it's not like they necessarily bring more LPs. Uh, the usual sort of cross-referencing happens anyway, but they have been great um, sounding boards for some of our women founders. In fact, our LPs, we have a strong co-invest program too. So I can tell you several use cases there. And I told you we have 15% of our portfolio uh, is uh, is the, the founders are women and the core founder, like first among equals kind of founders, if it's a two or a three co-founder situation. And we've been able to like bring those people together. Some of those conversations come up. And actually, these family offices led by women have also made more co-investments in uh, female founder-led companies. Uh, so it, it's, you know, like I said earlier, you have to bring some sparks. And before you know it, you know, a fire is lit. Uh, and uh, uh, that seems to have worked for us. But Jesse made, a, made an excellent point that if you can track this problem down to the source of the capital, 
uh, it can have some positive effects uh, throughout the value chain. Ankur, do you want to share your experience of how women employees or women consumers add value to you building your product or figuring out the go-to-market strategy? Because, you know, one thing that really struck me when I was about to join Annie was that you are a male founder and you started a women's health brand. So that was something which was really interesting. And I would love to hear from you as to how you take your decisions or your product decisions at Annie. Yeah, um, I think uh, I, th- I think both Manish and Jesse talked about it. And I, I do strongly believe that diverse teams helps a lot. Uh, especially in brainstorming sessions and coming up with ideas which are very different. But like for us, it has been a lot more important considering we were solving for a TG which is uh, which is primarily women, uh, and we are solving through food, which again is a uh, is a key uh, key uh, part of their life, right? Like uh, 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 one of the one of the most uh, significant impact that we that personally I saw. Um, at Enmi was uh, this uh, idea given by one of our consumer that uh, we should do something about the something about like irregular periods and this was way way back in uh, last year March uh, when we were when we were doing or actually I, I should say and I should not be ashamed of it like when I was doing what I felt are problems associated with women's health but we got a very good feedback from one of the consumer talking about hormonal imbalances when um, if you see Google search trends and if you see other trends in the market, nobody even like thought this matters, right? And uh, and at that moment, uh, we started doing uh, doing certain products around it. Um, and uh, we developed a couple of products uh, with that particular consumer. And, and now it's one of our highest selling products, right? Like, so, so that's one of the key thing uh, in terms of employees. What I've seen is like we have a we have a, the we we are the only ones who are doing a fortified tea like a tea leaves coated technology and again like uh, something which have come out of uh, one of the women employees because I always thought that we could solve a problem but I always thought from the point of view of what I like like uh, I would love to drink something and it will be easier it will be convenient. But there are multiple angles to it, like uh, there's a psychological effect, like how will it make me feel, how will I touch it, and uh, like what kind of aroma it should have, what kind of uh, feel-good factor it should give me. One of the one of my employees come up with this idea of doing tea with the fortification, and initially, although we thought it's like impossible, we were able to crack the product. So some of the very, uh, and, and all, all of these uh, points for us um, at Enmi has been very pivotal in terms of defining our trajectory, defining the uh, defining the research and defining uh, the kind of new innovations we are doing at uh, uh, at at, <coughs> at Enmi, sorry. So yeah, so I think uh, I think it's it just it's just uh, very important, and we like uh, I have been very vocal about it, and I've been doing this very diligently and. Uh, with a lot of intent that uh, most of our team is women focused not just that they understand the problem but also that they can come up with a lot lot more stronger solutions and more holistic solutions than what we can do and then we do make sure and i think jesse pointed out like uh, three three uh, three of their founders and men but we do make sure a healthy balance of uh, both men and uh, women in the team because what do you realize like a debate if we could initiate that debate if we could initiate that discussion uh, the kind of ideas we get just uh, goes beyond having just women in the room or just men in the room. Yeah. Hmm. And Hena, now 
coming to you, um, Ankur specifically mentioned that, you know, initially he was going with what I like versus what um, consumers really wanted. But um, I do notice that uh, basis is very much community driven. Um, so I would love to have your thoughts on how has that helped you in building your product? Absolutely. So um, community is actually core to core to what we're building. And um, to Jesse's point made earlier as well, and Jesse, it's not um, not that different in India in terms of, you know, talking about money and things like that. Women just don't do it. And our platform is, um, we've created it just basically to solve, solve that gap, uh, plus a few more things. But uh, what we saw with, I mean, the community serves multiple purposes, right, Shreya? So we, um, it, it, it becomes sort of this safe, judgment-free space where, um, like our community talks about things ranging from, and, and it was a, a super eye-opening experience, even as we were building and nurturing this community out, it, uh, like conversations range from, you know, finding a good job and negotiating that salary to figuring out if maternity insurance is included in a plan to um, even super sensitive, like typically sensitive topics, like when dealing with a divorce and you know it, this is how it's affecting me financially like what are things people did right so it becomes this um support network it's it's super powerful to um to to really know that you're not alone and there's this sort, sort of set, set, sense of belonging and this affinity that that drives women to you know come together and just be really open about these things that we don't necessarily have channels to do otherwise so it's been very very powerful that way obviously having this community listening to and, and being part of it ourselves gives us like all kinds of like product ideas content ideas what what sort of community events obviously we, we want to put together as, as part of our offerings so it's just a, a very um you know sort of a, a, a self-fulfilling uh a, a sort of a loop where yeah we we chat we understand pain points better we discuss things we help solve each other's problems and then um, and then build build products um, to, to help solve those at scale right so that's that's been been our experience and it's been like amazing to see this community grow in fact um, very very early on we'd experimented with um, not not restricting by gender right so this was even very early in our in our journey of building bases and we saw that um you know men would uh, just sort of take over right most discussions if not all were being driven by men were men talking to men and women just took a back seat which is also sort of representative of, of what it's like in, in in real life or or a pre-basis life as, as i like to call it and so just this the, the 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 fact that this is a women only community um is is makes it more powerful and people just feel safer um to to discuss more things and we we learn more about our audience every single day yeah and you know increasingly i've been seeing how community driven businesses or community driven products are really gaining traction um so for example there's this vc called the community vc which actually spun out of uh, flybridge and Jeff Buzgang, who is one of the general partners at Flybridge, he is actually even involved in it. So um, I, I really like how not only consumer brands, but uh, fintech products such as yours are actually leveraging community to build products. So uh, great insights there. Um, Hena, now I would like you to dive deeper and give me some examples of how 
one of your colleagues um you know actually used skills such as empathy that are traditionally associated with women and how did she really create an impact um in solving a problem yeah so one um very recent example comes to mind i mean our whole whole product our platform how we talk about money etc is completely empathy driven right where one of those by women for women platforms so it's literally the problems we encounter or or, or the pain points we've had is is what we're translating into uh, or we're, we're solving for and and thus being able to you know connect connect with our audience more powerfully but as a very recent example so one of our um uh, women engineers right so we had again we have this community where working very hard to make sure it's safe and you know where where we're living up to that expectation um etc and we noticed like in in some cases some minor cases there would be you know men who would trickle in and in some cases say say something appropriate inappropriate right on the community now um me being this product manager ex product manager etc i was i was just like you know what we we'll deal with that we can manually sort of take down those posts manually moderate it uh, and things like that which could work for us for now because the volume of that was really really low but um one of our well female engineers she got so um frustrated and bothered by that that she just spent a weekend and figured out um how to filter filter all these out in an automated way right so i think that to me is that example where i mean it was one her own pain point to just very empathetic to the audience who she knew would get frustrated if they saw even one post here and there um you know that that could could make someone feel uncomfortable so i just i absolutely like love that right it didn't have to be a a major product discussion and a sprint planning where we're like okay what what should we prioritize to fix she was just like this really bothers me i'm going to spend the weekend and, and fix it so i think that's that's the power of empathy that's that's also the power of building something for for people um like yourself yeah and now uh, i want to know how in your experience one on one mentoring has worked i can talk about my personal experience i don't know if um like how powerful some of these formal mentoring sort of initiatives may be hmm. um for me it's it's been both as a mentee um as well as a mentor now um it's been fairly informal right so um i i'm a big believer in obviously you know giving back etc and so i'm very very open to if if someone reaches out and through the lean in community that i talked about which we've been running for five and a half almost six years now there's a lot of that just day to day informal mentoring that that happens right and i think that that is super helpful it's super useful you know there's someone who you can bounce things off of or someone who's been there done that um who's able to kind of give you some guidance give you some ideas and so i'm a believer in in that kind of mentorship where it's it's not super formal there's not a oh we're going to meet on you know such and such date and 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 discuss something i mean those could also be very helpful but in my experience it's a very like you know it's informal you're there you're available you're approachable and um you know you're you're able to as a mentor able to help um you know someone figure something out and um yeah so i i've seen that that work work really well and um, any message that you have for women founders 
Um, a message for women founders. I think it's yeah. I mean, odds are against us. <laughs> the data, the data does does show that. But uh, I think just finding the right. Um, I mean, again, we talk about mentorship, but finding that right support group is is so important. Um, I've I've developed some of those connections as as I've been building bases out uh, here in India. But that is super critical. Both support. Within the ecosystem, um, support at well at home, right? It's really hard to uh, be building something and working these crazy hours we're doing uh, without the right um, support and understanding that that you may have at home. So I think build that support network, prioritize like crazy, find your cheerleaders, and I would say just you know just keep going because as we're all discussing here, where as women founders we are able to bring forth um, unique, unique ideas, we're able to tackle opportunities that previously have been overlooked or they've just been these massive blind spots. And so there is just massive power in what, what we're able to, to build and bring forth to the table and create value. And, um, and so I think it's just a matter of, of, of going, keep keeping going and not, not kind of letting these you know, these day-to-day or, or just generally these odds that um, that, that we face. Um, and that's sort of been, been my mantra. And it's, it's, worked, so, it's worked so far. Uh, I mean, there's, we're still early in our journey, but um, I think support networks and, um, yeah, just continuing to believe that what you're doing um, is, is actually going to drive impact. And, and these perspectives may not have existed even, you know, just a few years ago, because it's, it is easy. I mean, especially for, um, you know, things that, I mean, the, the, the platform that I'm building right now uh, with, with basis, it's, it's, and, and most investors we speak to are men. Um, it's, it is hard to, uh, to sometimes um, have, you know, some, like, like a man in, in this scenario, be able to even relate to what we're doing and be able to understand why we're building what we're building, right? And so those sort of conversations can be, um, you know, I mean, it, I mean no, one, no one likes rejection, but uh, you really just need to find, find those believers and, and keep going. Absolutely. And since you spoke about, um, you know, investors um, who are specifically men, Jesse, I would love to, um, you know, have your message for women founders and also specifically for investors. Ashley talks a lot about how you've been uh, instrumental in her growth as an investor. So would love to have um, a message for both founders and investors. Oh, that's so nice. Um, Ashley works with me for those of you, she's on my team. For those of you who don't know her, Ashley Ramirez, she's amazing. Um, I, uh, yeah, so I'd say for founders, and this is sort of regardless of you being female or male, but I do hear this a lot um, from our female founders. They'll come and they'll pitch and they'll say, well, I tried. I, I, I talked to a whole bunch of investors and, and everyone said no. And I'm like, okay, well, what's a whole bunch of investors? And they'll say, I talked to eight different investors. And I'll say, okay, so you should plan on talking to at least 100. If you plan on talking to 100, you will probably be pleasantly satisfied. If 20, 25 people say no, you should probably go back to some of them and say, hey, why did you say no? What were your concerns? Is there something I can do in my deck to address this? And like, 
you know, just kind of go through your pitch again and think about your business model maybe in a different way and then go back out there. But I think if you're expecting to have, you know, a hundred meetings, you will be pleasantly satisfied. You are going to have so many more no's than yeses, and you just have to get used to it and let them wash over you. So I'd say just plan on having a hundred pitch meetings. Um, and then for investors, uh, we just need more female investors. So <laughs> get out there. We need more women at the table making decisions on companies um, that are, you know, focused on both female and male products. Um, we just need more women out there uh, in the sort of investors and financial circles, especially at the LP levels. You know, I go out to, to a lot of institutions and pension funds and, um, it's just like going back in time. I mean, I went and pitched a pension fund somewhere in the middle of the country um, about two years ago, and they had called me in. And when I opened up my deck and there was a slide in my deck saying, yeah, you know, we only invest in female founded consumer tech companies. Um, this man literally spat his coffee out at me and was laughing and was like, why would you only invest in women? <laughs> And, you know, I looked around the room and it's all men and it's just like, that's very typical. Um, we need more uh, women at the large institutional level making investment decisions as well. So get out there. That's what I'd say. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much, everyone. It was lovely to have you all. Thank you.